0: Our first lesson this evening from the book of Ruth, the first chapter. In the days when judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And they had two sons, Malon and Kilion. They were Ephethites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of one was Orpah and the name of the other Ruth. They lived there more than ten years. Both Malon and Kilian died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night who should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they are grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters. It is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law but Ruth clung to her. And she said, See, your sister in law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister in law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We Holy Gospel from St. Luke, the 17th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back praising God with a loud voice. And he fell, at his fa- fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace t- you and peace from God
1: our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text is from the Gospel reading, Luke chapter 17. Here again these words. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Where would our world be without numbers and calculators and computers to keep track of them? Social security numbers, driver's license number, phone number, pin numbers, zip code plus four, numbers everywhere. And our text today is about numbers also, but you don't need a calculator or a computer to figure it out. Ten lepers were healed. Only one returned to give thanks. Ten percent. Jesus encounters these lepers on a trip outside of a village. He's met by ten lepers. Not unusual that they're outside of a village because leprosy was a disease of the skin, It was highly contagious, and those who had it had to stay away from other people. In fact, they had to announce, if anyone came near them, that they were a leper. They were outcasts from society. And the local priest was the one who determined whether they were sick with leprosy or not, and then banished them into exile outside of the village, away from their family and their friends. These lepers, as they see Jesus approaching, ask him to have pity on them. They want Jesus to intervene in their lives, and they don't directly ask him for healing, but for any kind of help which Jesus would give them. They recognize that Jesus is one who has power. They've heard of him, and they ask for his pity and his mercy, Jesus answers their request by simply telling them to go and show themselves to the priest. He doesn't tell them why and he doesn't tell them what he's going to do. They simply trust what he says and they begin their journey to see the priest. Along the way, they suddenly realize they've been healed of this incurable disease, it's gone jesus has healed them and then one of the ten returns to give thanks to jesus now make no mistake all of them were god-fearing people they had all cried out to jesus for help believing that he could do something to help them and they trusted him and they followed his directions to go to the priest even though it didn't seem to make any sense They were all believers, but only one returned to give thanks to Jesus. Before doing anything else, before running home to his family, before visiting with his friends, before doing anything else, he turned around and went back and found Jesus, and he fell at his feet, and he praised him and gave him thanks for what he had done. And then Jesus does something even more remarkable than healing him of leprosy. He owes his life to Jesus, and Jesus says, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Well, God's people today have been healed of a sickness also. You and I have a sickness. It's called sin. We were sick in our sin and deserving of God's anger and his punishment. None of us perfect, all of us disobedient of his commandments. But God had pity and mercy on us also. That's why he sent his son Jesus into the world to suffer and die on the cross to pay for our sins and the sins of all people. He healed us from our sin sickness. He gives back to us our lives, even the promise of everlasting life in the joy and peace of heaven. In fact, God gives us everything that we have, not only forgiveness for our sins and eternal life, but also help and hope every single day and all the things that we have also, family, friends, food, clothing, shelter, jobs, everything, and in return, we give him thanks. We thank God every day and in many ways. We do that when we gather together in worship and and sing and say in prayer our thanks. We say it in our daily prayers. It also is a way of saying thanks by the way that we use our time and the way that we support God's work with our gifts, and speaking, and sharing, and showing God's love to others. Ten percent. That's the number of lepers that came back to say thank you to Jesus. Ten percent is also a number. It's the Old Testament tithe. The people of God in the Old Testament were commanded, to give the first 10% of everything they had before taxes or anything else as a tithe to God. This was the minimum. As God tells his people in Malachi 3, they were to bring their tithes and offerings to him. Today, as New Testament people, we're not bound by those Old Testament demands. We're freed from those demands of the law we're not required to give a tithe to god but instead instead the old testament tithe becomes an example for us of a good starting place a way to give proportionate to the gifts that god has given to us voluntarily as we give thanks to god for all of his blessings and if you have looked for even one minute at the pictures coming from Florida, you realize how much we have to be thankful for. But giving thanks requires practice. When children receive gifts, we often prompt them to say thank you. Our goal is that when they grow up, they will voluntarily, on their own, freely give thanks for the gifts that they receive. But at first, they have to be taught to say thank you. And when we are children in our faith, we need to be prompted to say thanks to God also. Some people get offended whenever a pastor mentions anything about money in a sermon. And if they do, they've missed the whole point. It's not about money. It's about prompting and teaching God's people to say thank you for all the gifts that he gives to us. Children also very soon learn that when they say thank you, the gifts keep coming. In fact, I had a grandmother who made it very, very clear from very early in my life that if she didn't receive a thank you in writing for birthday and Christmas gifts, It was going to be a lean year the next year as far as gifts. Well, God promises that when we say thank you to him, he will bless us. Malachi. God says, Bring the full tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you And pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. This is the only place in all of Scripture where God says to test him. He invites and allows us to do that. Bring the tithe to him. Bring the tithe to him not by command, not by force but in thanksgiving and gratitude for all that he has and continues to give to us each and every day. And then the heavens will be open, and blessings will be poured out upon you. My uh, youngest son is an engineer for Caterpillar, and he works on those great, great big trucks. The ones where the cab is 35 feet up in the air. Huge trucks. And I often thought, what if I could borrow one of those trucks and use it to bring my gifts to God? How then would he bless me? Well, the point is, as we give to God, he turns around and blesses us with the same measure. Put him to the test you will be blessed, because God's people give thanks. Amen. May the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand.